Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Please welcome Father Sean Carroll. No, very thankful to Joe, and, and great to be back at St. Patrick's. I was here, I think, four or five years ago for a weekend of liturgies. Yes, Father Eric, even let a Jesuit come to St. Patrick's and, and preach and preside. And I remember when I was here, it was one of the Sunday liturgies, and I'm sitting next to him, and I think it was before the homily, and uh, there were people coming in you know, during the readings, and I, I saw this woman come in, and she had this big Pittsburgh Steelers shirt on and very proudly wore it and walked in. And, and so I, I leaned over to Father Eric. I didn't have the mic on. I leaned over to Father Eric, and it was a good thing, too. I said, I said Father, I said, you let Steeler fans in here? <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> but, but anyway, just really good to be. And, and, and so what, I want to talk a little bit about what, uh, what we are seeing on the border. And, and I want to start with a story that, uh, that I told at a mass here, at, um, here in Phoenix a few weeks ago. But it's a story that has really stayed with me and I think really emblematic of what I have been seeing lately in Nogales, Sonora, Mexico. So I would say since uh, last May, the number of families coming north, particularly from southern Mexico, from Guatemala, many families from Guatemala, as well as a smaller number from Honduras and El Salvador, were arriving at the port of entry. And customs overall has been slow to receive them. And so the wait time has been, right now it's 19 days, but it's been up to 30 days for people to be received by uh, U.S. Customs which is a difficult reality because migrants truly are very vulnerable in Nogales, Sonora. That's something that I have seen over the years. Vulnerable to being assaulted, vulnerable to being robbed, vulnerable to uh, being kidnapped, um, vulnerable in many ways. But, when, but, about la but last summer, and I was spending time in the port of entry because the number of people was increasing dramatically. And since then, uh, we are one of four shelters that is receiving and housing people while they wait to be received by customs. So they don't have to sit in the port for 19 days without their basic needs met. But I met one woman from Honduras, and uh, we struck up conversations over a number of days. She had come with her, her cousin and her daughter, leaving her husband and her son back in Honduras. And so one day, you know, we had built a relationship, and she, she, she says to me, she says, you know, she says, I, I want to show you what I've brought with me. She had this backpack next to her. So she slowly opens her backpack. I'm thinking, what's, what's she want to show me? So she reaches into her bag, and the first thing that she pulls out is a laminated copy of a newspaper article with a report on her mother's death. So her mother, much like Bill was talking about, sold clothing on the streets of the capital of Honduras, Tegucigalpa. She was being extorted for money, could no longer pay, and in broad daylight one day, a gang member took her life. 
she reaches into the bag again. And this time she pulls out a photo of her mother's grave. Very simple stone with a cross over it. But she didn't stop there. She reached into the bag and she pulled out a laminated photo of her husband. But it was of her husband lying there on a bed, his arms and legs bloodied from the beating he had taken at the hands of gang members. She reaches in her bag again, pulls out the police report that she had filed against a woman who had threatened her at her home. And yet, as Bill talked about, the police didn't do anything and weren't going to do anything about it. And so she took her daughter and her cousin and came north and was there sitting in the port of entry waiting to present herself to customs there in, in, in Nogales, Arizona. And so getting to know Haide, I mean, really helped me get a sense of what people are experiencing and the violence that people are literally fleeing, whether it's in Guerrero, the southern state of Mexico, or whether it is in Guatemala, Honduras, or El Salvador. But there's been an additional experience I've been having over these past months, not just listening to people like I day, but one thing I've been doing is I've been, I've been looking in people's eyes. You know, the eyes of people like Modesto from Guatemala, 18-year-old son with him. The gang wanted to recruit him to join them, and he took him and fled. But so many people looking, looking into their eyes and seeing what's there. And really, when I look in their eyes, there is so much that I see. I see the fear that they're experiencing, the trepidation, the uncertainty of what's next. Will I pass my credible fear interview? Will I find safety? But I also see the incredible strength and the incredible hope and the incredible dignity these men, women, and children have. You know, we talk about sacraments as being, or one author talks about as doors to the sacred. And the eyes of people, when you look at them, are really doors to their souls, doors to their spirits, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, and doors to their dignity. Because that's where it's really clear to me, at least, how they are made in God's image and likeness. Because you see into a person's soul, into a person's spirit. And that's where the church's social teaching on migration begins to make sense for me. Because it's this, it's this deep sense of respect for God-given dignity. And so how people have the right to a dignified way of life in their country of origin. How they have the right to migrate if they can't have that dignified life in the place where they're from. How countries have a right to sovereignty, a right to a border. But also the respect for refugees and asylees and undocumented persons. Because what's happening there, looking in the eyes of these men, women, and children, is that, is that I'm in touch 
And we're in touch, those who serve and accompany them, with the human dimension, with the human reality. And by touching that human reality, we're really touching Jesus himself. Because he lives in each of us and breathes in each of us and dwells in each of us. You know, the, the people of God. And that becomes so clear when I, when I look into people's eyes, into migrants' eyes, and, 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 and see all that, and see that dignity, and see that hope, and see the fear and trepidation as well. And I think it touches on what Francis is getting at in this sense of encounter. Because that's what happens in encounter in its most powerful sense. Two people looking into each other's eyes, into each other's spirits, and more than that, seeing Jesus present in the other. Seeing, seeing him and feeling him present. Much like at the end of Luke when the two disciples, they, they went with Jesus and they were discouraged and he said, well, come, come eat with me. And then they recognized him in the breaking of the bread, but their hearts were burning. Their hearts were burning. And I think that's what happens when powerful encounter takes place is that the hearts are burning. And that burning heart leads to action. And I think that's what we're seeing in Phoenix. That's what we're seeing in Tucson. That's what animates the Kino Border Initiative, the humanitarian aid that we offer, the meals, the clothing, the pastoral support, the check cashing, the phone calls, the meals in the port of entry, the hosting of immersion groups, people who are, who are wanting to see, wanting to encounter, wanting to learn desiring to know more, that that's what, that's what, that's what, and through that, through that encounter and through hearts that are burning, it does lead to that action. I, I think of a student who came down from Brophy College Preparatory, and at the end of January, an article came out on their experience at the border. And it was written by two, well, a reporter from the Arizona Republic who accompanied them the whole day. And one of the students had this to say. He said, you know, before I went, I viewed it, it being immigration, as kind of a political issue since I hadn't seen it firsthand. But coming today, I was kind of able to humanize the issue by meeting people and hearing their stories. So I think when we look at the Catholic dimension of this issue, and yes, it is a political issue in a sense because it affects us as a body politic. But it's also the human dimension. That for us Catholics, it's so important to integrate that, that human dimension, that human reality, that human piece, that human part. Because in doing so, we respect human dignity. And in, do, in doing so, we respond to Jesus himself, who dwells in the migrant man, woman, and child. And that's what really helps me, I think, makes sense of really what Francis has been, has been saying about this issue, and in particular, something he said recently for a, at a mass with Catholic migrant and outreach organizations in Rome, just, uh, I think, just last week. And he said this, he said, an encounter with another, then, is also an encounter with Christ. He himself said so. It is he who knocks on our door hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, and imprisoned, asking to be met and assisted. 
And if we still have a doubt, behold his clear word. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. And so that's Matthew 25. And that's what really, I think, and how appropriately you name this project Matthew 25, because that really, I think, grounds, uh, grounds certainly our church's engagement on this issue, which is integrating the human dimension, not just for human beings per se, but because, because of that God-given human dignity and because Christ lives in that man, woman, and child, and how important, I think, it, it is for us as a church and how important it will be in the coming weeks and months to really integrate that human dimension in terms of how we reflect on this issue and in terms of how we respond to it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 